This is Isolated Together, a pandemic podcast by Quinnipiac University. I'm David DeRoche. This is our fifth episode of Isolated Together. We started this podcast in April because we wanted to create a forum for people to talk about the pandemic. And about a month ago, I got an email from someone at Quinnipiac, someone I hadn't yet met. So I only started here in November, and he wanted to do a podcast about how nonprofits are faring during all this craziness. So I love the idea. And this episode is Vince Contrucci's first podcast as a guest host of Isolated Together. So this is Vince's first episode, and it's also his podcast hosting debut. So way to go, Vince. For this episode, he wanted to talk to someone at Columbus House, which is an organization that works with people who are homeless or housing insecure, and they work to provide them with short and long-term shelter, which, as you can imagine, is no easy thing. You have social distancing requirements and everything else that's happening, and you'll hear more about that in this episode. So Vince will have episodes coming out every Tuesday over the next month. Episodes hosted by me will be coming out on Thursdays. This is Isolated Together. Please stick around for information on our next episode when Vince's interview is over. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Isolated Together podcast. I am one of your hosts, Vince Contrucci. I'm the Director of Community Service at Quinnipiac University. With me today is John Brooks from Columbus House. Thank you for joining me today, John. Uh, can you introduce yourself and uh, give us a little understanding about what Columbus House is and what your role is? Sure. Thanks for having me, Vince. So I am John Brooks. I'm the Chief Development Officer at Columbus House. My staff and I are responsible for all donations, financial and in-kind, all volunteer management, which uh, Quinnipiac students and staff and faculty have been tremendously instrumental in participating, and also uh, external communications. So newsletter, email, Facebook, social media, website design and development, public speaking engagements, and um, community events. Okay, awesome. And uh, I've been at Columbus House for about 16 years now. Okay. And what does Columbus House do as an organization? Like, what's, what's the central mission and focus? So Columbus House is one of the region's largest homeless service providers. We're about 38 years old. We started out in New Haven. Uh, we started out like most homeless service organizations, uh, just as a overnight shelter, a place for people to sleep and get a meal. And we quickly evolved into an organization that our mission really is to end people's homelessness or even prevent it before it starts. And so we're really focused on housing. We want to get people housed as quickly as possible. We're a housing first agency, which means that if we can prevent someone from ever entering the shelter system and going directly to housing, uh, we'll do that. Of course, there's always going to be a need for shelter, and we hope that the shelter stay will be uh, brief and uh, non-recurring. So you mentioned, you know, that you're a housing first agency and that you want to prevent people from entering the stream of uh, homelessness or having to go to a shelter. How is that achieved uh, when somebody indicates that they're at risk of maybe becoming homeless? So, great question. So we have a lot of programs that uh, we have homeless prevention programs. We have street outreach teams that literally go out on the street and engage people. 
that are living outside, whether it's in a car or in a building or an encampment. And uh, their goal is to engage people on the street, build trust. And if we can, get that person in for services and, if possible, directly to housing. But if not, at least get them into the shelter and then work on um, helping them attain their goals whatever those goals may be, and um, ultimately getting them housed. We have staff that provide employment services. We have staff that work with all the government agencies to help people reestablish benefits that they have worked for and are entitled to receive, but don't even know that they have those benefits, like unemployment, like social security disability, and, and so on. So our staff works uh, diligently with each client on an individual basis to help them um, reestablish some form of income uh, so that we can, again, assist them in getting housing. And, and income certainly is one of the largest um, factors that contributes to homelessness is, is a lack of income and a lack of affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So um, if we can help somebody establish income through benefits that they're entitled to or through uh, some work readiness programs, um, we'll do everything we can to help that person gain some income and with the ultimate goal of trying to help them get housed. When a lot of people think about homelessness and uh, homeless services agencies, you know, I think that for a lot of people, what comes to mind is that it's usually a single male, uh, usually middle-aged. Is that an accurate representation of the clients that you typically serve uh, at Columbus House? No. We serve from youth all the way up to people in their 60s and 70s and and, and a few even older, uh, male and female, black and white. We have veterans. We, have, we run two family shelters where they are families with children. And we have programs just for women. We diagnose women who have, we have a drug or alcohol addiction and a mental health uh, issue. We have programs specifically for veterans. Um, We have programs specifically for um, a handful of men who are in early stages of recovery. They can't come into the shelter for various reasons, so we have a separate program just for them. Uh, It's it's important to know that we're in three counties now. Uh, Okay. We started out on uh, Columbus Avenue, that's the name Columbus House, with one facility. And, uh, and a seasonal overflow uh, facility across the street. And now we have 13 different locations in three counties throughout Southern Connecticut. We're in um, a big presence in Middlesex County and Middletown and uh, uh, New London County. And then, of course, our largest presence is in uh, New Haven and New Haven County. Well, that's, that's incredible. I mean, 13 locations across three counties is, is quite a reach uh, within the state. How many uh, clients uh, do you estimate that Columbus House touches or works with uh, on an annual basis? Anywhere between 2,800 and 3,000 a year is, is, our, is our estimate. Um, and that's everybody. So that's, that's in shelter, that's outreach, that's in housing. It, it should be noted that even after we get somebody into housing, some people go on to independent housing and they don't need us anymore. But a large percentage of people go to what's called permanent supportive housing. And, it, and it's just what the name implies. It's permanent housing, but it's, uh, support services are attached to it. So our case managers 
will continue to work with the client for forever if they need it. And our job is just to help that client stay housed. So there may be things that come up in that person's life that um, interrupt their housing. Maybe it's a drug or alcohol issue, but maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a mental health issue. Maybe it's a family issue. And so our job is to intermediate between the client and the landlord so that whenever that issue that the client is dealing with is over, we can get that person right back into their apartment. And so we have numerous people in permanent supportive housing that we provide ongoing case management support services for. So you mentioned, you know, disruptions in, in life and how those can really impact when Columbus House would step in to assist somebody. And I, I can only imagine that, you know, during this time, you know, with the pandemic, uh, social isolation, uh, the loss of income, the loss of jobs and the ability for people to work that uh, it must have really dramatically impacted Columbus House and the way in which, you know, your your operations function. Can you explain to us a little bit about maybe how the pandemic has affected Columbus House and the clients that you serve? Sure. So like everybody else in uh, early March, you know, we were closely watching this. We were uh, monitoring all the information that comes through to us through our various government partners and CDC. And very early on, March 12th, we convened what we called an infectious disease response work group. It was a task force of Columbus House leaders that um, you know, started to look at this and start to put plans in place if the pandemic took off, if it was actually named a pandemic. Yeah, and declared a pandemic. And so we, we convened that very early on and took um, proactive measures even before the governor declared the, the medical emergency, the stay safe, stay home uh, initiative. So um, as of March 16th, we took the initiative to um, really start taking some, some active steps to protect the clients, number one, and then collect, protect our staff, number two. So we um, suspended all visitors to all of our facilities. Uh, and that includes volunteers, which we desperately rely on. We allowed staff who could to work remotely. Obviously, frontline residential staff and case managers couldn't do that initially. But you know, administrative staff and other staff could. Um, we implemented a screening at the door for everybody who came through any of our facilities. And early on, Vince, it was really the uh, passive screening. It was, you know, asking the CDC recommended questions like, how's your health? How are you feeling? Have you been exposed to anybody who tested positive? Those types of questions. Later, we started doing active screening where we actually started taking temperatures. But that, that came about a, a week or so later. We staggered meal service. Uh, it, it, as you can imagine, in our main shelter building alone in New Haven, we have 101 people staying there. That's wow. one people. And plus, you know, during business hours, maybe another 25 staff members. So that building is full. So again, we tried to get the staff, as many staff out as possible, um, staggering meal service so that all the clients weren't in the dining room at the same time. We installed hand washing stations. We, we literally ripped out cold uh, water fountains kind of glad we did because I don't think anybody uses those anymore anyway. But we, uh, the plumbing was already there, which was fantastic. And so we literally took the water fountains out, then hand washing stations, 
in the main lobby and in the dining room. So it made it mandatory that everybody that came in the building had to pass the hand washing station, so they had to wash their hands. Are you still accepting clients into the shelters or, you know, yes. um, okay, so you're still housing folks um, in the shelters? Yes, but not in the shelter. In the okay. shelter, but not in the shelter. Um, so um, after we took all these, after we took all these measures, then we started working with the city on moving clients to hotels. Again, the idea was, let's, we need to get as many of these folks out of the shelter. Uh, we, social distancing was next to impossible. We did the best we could by staggering the meal service and, and making sure people stayed separated as best we could. You know, ultimately, we had to get them out of that setting. And then right across the driveway from us is our men's seasonal winter overflow shelter. And there were 75 guys in there. And so same thing there. We were trying to stagger. We were trying to keep people separate as best we could. So the first wave of our folks went out on uh, March 20th. And that is when the, the governor declared the state safe, stay home, and, and pretty much put the, the state on uh, restriction. And uh, the first 20 of our most vulnerable clients were moved out to um, a hotel in New Haven. And then uh, the rest followed over the next, just over a week, week and a half, uh, we were able to move all of our clients out. So what's important to know too is we move clients to hotels, but we also very quickly housed a bunch of, of clients. We were able to move some funding around, state and federal funding. Uh, we got permission to move around so that we could um, very quickly house that were housing ready. Housing ready means they had some income, they had you know things in order and were ready to go. So as of today, I think we're up to about 87 people out of about just under 220 people. There were probably about 87 that were housed. Many more were in the hotel, and then some found their own place to go. That whether it was with a relative, or a friend, or um, you know they decided that that was best for them, and so they left the shelter. And and of course. When this is over, they can come right back into the system and receive services and not have to start over. That was our way of trying to, you know, just get as many people out of the shelter. So the shelters are empty now, Vince. And um, except for our medical respite clients on our third floor, uh, the shelters are empty. And um, so when you ask, are we still taking people into the shelter? We are. Yeah. just not in the buildings. Now we take them, we do intakes right at the hotel. It's all done through the coordinated access network. Okay, that, well, that's, that's incredible. Um, I mean, it must have been a massive undertaking considering, you know, how many locations you, you, you have and how many clients you're serving. And you mentioned that some of that funding was coming from uh, federal and, and state dollars. So for people that were maybe staying, you know, nightly at one of the, the shelters, of course, you provide, you know, meal service. Does that continue for people that are staying in the hotels? And, and how is that facilitated? Yeah. So, you know, the logistics were really tough. And, you know, it, it cutting through, you know, and the city of New Haven was fantastic. And the state was great. Um, initially, you know, I kept saying, all of us, you know, we're, we're literally writing the book here. Because yeah. you know, there were no guidelines. There, there, there was no... Um, we were making the plan as we went along and, and doing very well with all of our partners. And so um, the first wave that I said of, of vulnerable clients, uh, the, the 
city worked with us and we moved them until we got the food worked out. We were literally shipping food over from from uh, the New Haven location to the hotels and doing the best we could with staff taking that over. A couple of volunteers, you know, volunteered to, to bring food over until uh, you know all the logistics got worked out. Now what's happening is. Um, city has and the state has contracted with um, local restaurants to deal with the food. So that's all been worked out. In the beginning, we were doing it. And again, in the beginning, we didn't know who was going to pay for it. We didn't know where the funds were going to come from. We just knew we had to do it. So we did everything we could to move people out. And we just knew that we would figure out the rest later, which we did which we did. Uh, FEMA stepped in and, and uh, that's when things really started moving because then the state knew that there was federal power behind everything. And, um, you know, then and, uh, things moved, started to move a little quicker. And we all knew that at least there was funding on the horizon and um, we were going to do it anyway. It, it should be noted that we moved people out of four emergency shelters. But, you know, I said we have 13 locations. So many of those other locations some of them are apartment buildings. Some of them are smaller um, residential units that have, you know, several people in them. They're safer, and we left them alone. And um, you know, they're practicing social distancing in some of these programs, and they're fine. So the folks that we moved out were from four shelters. Um, so you, you did mention volunteers, and volunteers were, were assisting in your efforts. Are you ex- accepting volunteers now, and how can people be of assistance for Columbus House or um, people that may be experiencing homelessness uh, during this time? I know, you know, with a homeless shelter, it's usually a lot of hands-on work with directly with people. And so uh, how are volunteers still playing a role in, in what Columbus House's mission is? Well, like everybody else, we had a retool. We had to, you know, be creative and think about, well, we can't have volunteers come into the building and serve anymore. And that's the biggest volunteer activity. They purchase and serve the evening meal. And um, and Quinnipiac students have been doing it for years. They've been coming in and helping us do all kinds of things, you know, with our facilities staff, cleaning up, painting, you know, hanging decorations around the holidays. They've done so many things. And so obviously none of that can be done anymore. So People started uh, volunteering in other ways, making masks. Um, people were doing drives for the things that we need. Uh, which would be like, like, like what, what type of things? In the beginning, we needed some food items, some non-perishable food items. But we're, we're, not, we're not doing that anymore. But we need PPE. We, we need masks. We need gloves. Uh, we need plastic face shields. Um, we really aren't even bothering to ask for gowns. But, um, you know, we're going through masks, um, and the only masks we're getting are the ones that are donated. We can't buy them anywhere. We have our volunteers that are making them. Um, Professor Elahi, who's a good friend of uh, Columbus House, Muhammad, he, um, he got his rotary group to, to make some, and he found a thousand masks somewhere. And people have been helping out that way. People have also been helping out shuttling some of the things that are being donated, you know, to the hotels, you know, again, no, no contact and keeping social distance, but, you know, um, picking stuff up out front of our facility and then dropping it off at the hotel and not ever seeing anybody. And so they've been helping with that. And um, that's been, that's been a big help. Um, you know, we've done toiletry drives. We've had people do toiletry drives because everybody's in the hotel and, um, you know, we want to get them everything they need. And, 
really importantly is those 87 people that we got housed. Normal events, we would have a lot more time. You know, it might be a month by the time we know their housing, housing ready to the time we actually get them out and into their house. And in the meantime, you know, we're, we're getting the basics that they need. We call them welcome kits. You're familiar with welcome kits. You've had yes, yes. That's what the welcome kits over the years. But, you know, just think for the parents listening, you know, when when your son or daughter came to Quinnipiac, you know, and they were staying there, you know, what, what were all the things you had to pack up for them? You know, um, you know, towels and toiletries and, you know, sheets and pillows and things like that. So um, our people that are housed, we literally got them in so quickly and then we said, all right, we'll figure out later what they need and get them the things that they need. We just needed to get them out of the shelter and into, into their apartment. So many people have gone into their apartment with not a whole lot. So, okay. um, so we need household items like that, you know, the basics. Uh, we were, we were uh, asking for air mattresses. You know, until we could buy the beds, at least we, you know, get an air mattress, some sheets, uh, some brand new pillows, um, you know, towels and things like that. Yeah, um, I can imagine, you know, kitchenware, uh, cooking items, all the things that would go into, you know, what a person would need when they're, you know, first starting out on their own again uh, without anything, right? Yeah, okay. So if, if people wanted to uh, stay up to date on, you know, what is happening at Columbus House and uh, in ways in which um, maybe they could uh, keep abreast of what's happening uh, as far as homelessness is concerned and what the needs are of clients in the area, where would they go? Where would they learn that information? So we, we keep our uh, website pretty up to date. Uh, things change daily, it seems like, during this pandemic. But um, we, we try our best to keep it up to date. We get information from our program staff and they tell us what they need and then we, we try to keep it up to date on the website. So our website is uh, columbushouse.org. We do have a Facebook and Twitter presence, so um, you can you can follow us there. Um, if you go to the website and sign up for our e-news, e you'll get periodic updates uh, through email. And um, I promise you this, we do not share our um, contact information with anybody. I know a lot of nonprofits do, and a lot of people are leery of that and um i've been doing this for 24 years and uh, it's just been my policy that we don't share information so if you do sign up and give us your your email know that we're not going to give it to anybody else and we'll only send you information and you can opt out if you want but that's the best way and it's through social media or through our website okay well thank you so much john for joining me today on the uh, isolated together podcast I really appreciate you, you know, providing some, you know, information about uh, how Columbus House is responding and uh, the needs uh, the Columbus House is experiencing uh, right now during, you know, the pandemic. Uh, and I look forward to always working with you again. All right. Thank you, Vince. That was Quinnipiac University's own Vince Contrucci interviewing John Brooks. John's the Chief Development Officer at Columbus House. The show is also hosted and produced by me, David DeRoche. I'm the Director of Community Programming at Quinnipiac. I also did the music for the show. To learn more about all our podcasts, you can visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can subscribe to all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other apps. Definitely check us out on Twitter and Instagram at qupodcasts. 
Do you have a story to share, something you want us to talk about? You can find us on social media or you can shoot us an email. That address is qupodcasts at qu.edu. On the next episode of Isolated Together, we continue on this week's theme of helping those in need. I'll be interviewing two people from Mental Health Connecticut about the work they're doing during this pandemic. We are isolated together, but we can get through this together. Thanks for listening.